Welcome to the Fertility Podcast. I'm Natalie Selfman, your host. I've been uh, using my voice in my work for about 15 years now. I used to be on the radio. Now I'm podcasting and do a lot of voiceover work. Now, the Fertility Podcast has a whole host of episodes for you from adenomyosis to zero sperm. It's total A to Z of all sorts of things that affect you on your fertility journey. I'm mum to a little boy called Phoenix after having successful ICSI treatment, and that was my reason for starting the podcast. And I hope that if you found us, then you'll realise that you are not alone. This podcast is to help educate and empower you. I brought together as many experts and tried to share as many of your stories as possible. And I now have my wonderful co-host. I'm Kate Davis, a fertility nurse consultant, and I'm adamant that we can all do so much better at understanding our fertility. I'm really passionate about teaching you to take ownership of your fertility, teaching you practical steps, emotional coping strategies and lifestyle changes that you can make to hopefully optimise your chances of conceiving. Now you know who we are, all you need to do is enjoy the show. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Fertility Podcast. This is Kate and I last week having a catch up with Jen, who is IVF Pineapples on Instagram. Jen had her donor cycle cancelled and we wanted to have a chat with her We're hoping that these kind of stories help you if you've had your cycle cancelled. Just hear that you're not alone with all of this. There's other people feeling exactly what you feel. So let us know your thoughts. You can drop us a line, email info at thefertilitypoddy.com. My husband and I started trying to conceive about eight years ago. And we were that really annoying couple who were really smug and just thought it would happen. And we were like, oh, well, wouldn't be the end of the world. (laughs) So looking back, actually, it's ridiculous that we ever even thought that. And for the first few years we weren't really that desperate and it was actually quite convenient at the time that we weren't getting pregnant Um, and I think it was probably coming up to three years into it we started to think oh this this isn't going very well at all and we then talked about things like IVF and decided that we just didn't really want to do it we decided to go away for my 30th birthday and we visited orphanages in Thailand at the time we were really thinking about adopting abroad and which again you know was absolutely right for us at the time and we needed to sort things out financially to be able to do that so we had a bit of a wait we knew it was going to be a lengthy process and about 10 months later we found out that I was pregnant very unexpectedly went for some scans and then found out that we'd had a missed miscarriage and it wasn't really until that moment that me carrying a child or having a baby was that important to me um, but that really did lead to a chain of events where ultimately I wanted to be pregnant and I'm, I'm not very good at failure I think is probably the rationale behind it um, so at that point we decided we wanted to explore fertility treatments and despite the fact we'd been trying for three years at that point we were told that we would have, no, it was knocking on four years actually, sorry. We were told we'd have to wait for a year before we could be referred for fertility treatment. Why? What was the reason? <sighs> because I got pregnant naturally. You know, I find that so, I hear that all the time and I find that one of the hardest things yeah. to actually to, to cope with, that, that why, I, I, I suppose part of me understands it, but then from another point of view, when I'm sat in front of a patient that's saying that, I... I don't understand it because it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and it was heartbreaking at the time. So 
we waited the year we kept on trying naturally and we heard all of the old famous you'll get pregnant again you're the most fertile three months after a miscarriage and so we heard all of those things and again I think we actually genuinely believed that it would just happen and had um, you at that point Jen done any tests to check either of you no so I think our GP did some blood tests on me just basic um like day two or three blood tests and they they came back satisfactory so they said right wait a year and we'll refer you so we did that we didn't fall pregnant naturally we got referred um to one of our local hospitals and they offered us IUI and she said you're ovulating naturally there's absolutely no problems um, so we had a few cycles of IUI and it wasn't working and I think we were on a waiting list at that point for IVF and we really had again settled for this isn't going to happen it isn't going to work and um, we were quite prepared to just wait for IVF and again unexpectedly we fell pregnant with IUI and um, this was actually my third pregnancy I'd had a pregnancy years and years ago and um, which ended in miscarriage as well and I think that always lulled us into this security mm. that we would get pregnant and have a baby and unfortunately again we had another mis miscarriage and um, with the IUI so we then went on to IVF and it wasn't actually until our second or third IVF appointment they said I had an extremely low AMH um, they said it was beyond a miracle I quote that I ever got pregnant with IUI or naturally because my AMH was so low they said our only option would be IVF. Jen do you feel um, do you feel as though because things didn't perhaps happen quickly with regards to any investigations do you feel a little bit let down by the care Jen. that you received? yeah I think if I had well there's a I think in, all we ever get told is that age is so important in fertility and had I known when I was 30 that I had an extremely low AMH and I mean it may not have been that low at that point if they just checked my AMH when we had the miscarriage we potentially could have had far more successful IVF cycles and um, subsequently we had very three really quickly successive um IVF treatments, none of which worked. Every cycle, I think we we did get to transfer every cycle, but we only ever got one fertilised embryo transferred on day three, and nice. all of them were unsuccessful. Yeah, so it's the quality of the eggs as well as the quantity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that again, we were assured at that cycle where we were told I had a low AMH, you know, you're only 32, 33. You're, too, you're young, you'll have really good egg quality, you're the patients that we see success in. So the, they really didn't prepare us at all mm. that they wouldn't work. It was very positive, um, which you need to hear at that point. But I very much, before we'd even started, was looking into egg donation. I felt like that was going to be our most likely route of treatment. So after third cycle of treatment was when we started to explore that. We had some difficult consultations where private clinics wanted us to continue treatment with my eggs and um, despite the fact each cycle I asked for different adjustments to make sure that we tried everything um, and eventually we ended up on a waiting list for an anonymous donor in the UK but during that time I met a lady on Facebook. Ah okay brilliant okay and I, yeah. I know that you know from Kind of communicating to you on Instagram and kind of following your process, mm. I know that it's taken you a long time to get to this mindset of mm. of donor egg. Um, mm. 
but you've got there haven't you and you're kind of embracing that now yeah so I mean it's it's about three years since we started fertility treatment um but definitely and, and now we're at a point even where and I think it's a hugely personal decision but for us an anonymous egg donor became something that I particularly struggled with more and more um, and my husband has been really supportive of that and now he's met our egg donor and all of her family and you know we're all really good friends so he even more supports that that's the right thing for us to do so we're talking about where you're at now in terms Mm. of you met your donor we talked about you feeling let down before do you feel that you then gained better support as you kind of took charge of what was going to then happen with your your treatment plans yeah I mean I think a lot of it is about supporting yourself isn't it you've got to advocate for yourself I'm not somebody who necessarily fights or argues with my clinic but I would particularly advocate for things that I believe strongly in um and and I think it's important to to make those choices and be really firm in them before you start treatment because I think if you don't investigate things thoroughly at the start you end up at the end much like I have feeling really disappointed and, and a little bit let down because there are things that you think with hindsight could have potentially been done differently. And we're talking at the end of March with coronavirus being the main topic of everybody's conversation. And we've just shared an episode talking about the impact on fertility treatment and what Mm. these conversations that we're having now are really to kind of hear the actual story. So tell us what's gone on in the kind of last couple of days. Well, we actually started our cycle with our donor we'd both started down regulation so we were at the point to start stims and our donor went for her baseline scan in the morning my scan was due in the afternoon because there's quite a distance between us there's about 300 miles um, so I was having my scan done locally she went for her scan we were told everything was fine to go ahead she was due to start her stims the next day and then later in the afternoon, I'd actually rang the clinic because I started to get this gut feeling. I saw how the news was escalating. Um, and I got a phone call back fairly quickly to say that unfortunately they'd been given guidance by the HFEA, which has led to them stopping all donor cycles. I think from what I understood, it, I'll be honest, we didn't get an awful lot of explanation, but I suspect that's because a lot of people's treatments were unfortunately being cancelled. But I think it was the Transplant Society and the HFEA had given some guidance at that point to indicate that donor cycles should be suspended. Oh, that must have been devastating news. And um, for you know, for both of you, I'm sure that you got this far and then having to stop. Yeah. Bless her. She's incredibly supportive and she's just so desperate to help us, which Aww she's an amazing individual and and she was really adamant that she wanted to give us a baby by Christmas (laughs) so yeah we had we'd had conversations that had you know led to you getting your hopes up and it's not really just myself and my husband it's our families as well my my grandparents were desperate for this treatment to happen so it is it's incredibly disappointing I actually felt really sorry for the clinic nurse who made the phone call to be honest because she sounded like she'd had a real battering already yeah Um, I bet she'd had to do a lot of those calls yeah and, and I can imagine I mean I was honestly in shock I was on my way for my scan so for all I had 
in some senses expected it I was completely shocked that it had just ended so abruptly I half expected them to maybe say we'll do it but we'll do a freeze all embryos and I didn't I don't think I fully expected it to be stopped completely but she she really did sound like she'd had a very difficult afternoon of conversations so Mm. I just I think I apologized to her (laughs) and it would be lovely to be able to say to you now so where does this leave you and what what are the next steps but of course none of us know what the next few weeks or months is going to bring and equally when things like donor treatments can resume again so you're kind of left feeling in limbo absolutely and and I've I've asked as politely as possible of the clinic if they could give any indication obviously they they can't at all I've been trying to keep track of the guidance on the HFEA website but it actually seems seems like that's getting more woolly rather than than any more clarity I think I read one day and it did say specifically donor treatments shouldn't be happening and and gave all of the background and then when I looked again the next day it had all changed and and it became a lot more advisory than it had been so I did wonder if if maybe some things might start again because it had become a little bit more advisory but and now I understand that our clinic stopped all fertility treatments it isn't just donor cycles they've actually suspended all IVF and and I suspect when it restarts it'll be standard IVF that restarts and then donor eggs and donor gametes will probably be lagging behind again. So in terms of coping now with what's going on anyway which we're all we're all struggling with the weirdness of what life is like adding this into it what 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 are you doing to keep your chin up and um for anybody listening you might be you know having gone through a similar thing I think mm. um we know that when you're trying to conceive you get very patient even though you are impatient because you want it but how are you how are you and your other half how are you coping and what are you doing um so <laughs> I was, I was going to be really honest and then you said it should be advice for other people. Um, no, so, <laughs> I think I started out with a certain level of denial um, and, and actually just totally ignoring it and, and trying not to think about it too much. And I, that's the real issue at the minute is that the media is just so bombarded and overtaken with coronavirus that I think everybody's just terrified and it's that total lack of certainty around anything is it gives you that constant sense of anxiety and unease regardless of anything never mind going through IVF yeah. so I think for me I've really just had to park it and think it's not going to happen I'm not going to get pregnant and we had Mother's Day yesterday and mm. and I just thought well let's be honest next Mother's Day is not going to be any different for us we're probably still going to be in this situation we can't even really hope now that I might be pregnant by then so I think for me, particularly in in my line of work, working in the NHS, I'm trying to just throw myself into work and and really avoid any fertility thoughts. Um, and it's really difficult when you can't even spend time with your family and your friends to to get that support from them. So it is a lot of you know talking to people on the phone, distraction, avoidance, mm. doing puzzles in the house, finding something good on Netflix, and really just trying not to focus on what impact coronavirus is having on our donor cycle at the moment Um, and I think that's all you can do Jen isn't it I'm learning over the last few few weeks this whole coronavirus thing it seems like 
every single person has some impact on them and it no matter what it is it's it's the something for every single person that I know and I'm sure pretty I I, don't, I can't imagine that anyone is is getting away with any type of, of impact and obviously to, to these people those impacts are huge regardless of what they might be and I think all we can do is close our doors and just be that's all we yeah. can do is just to be just and muddle through muddle through with your nearest and dearest and that's yeah. all you can do yeah and that's it it's, it's people's weddings it's people's holidays it's people's fertility treatments and and I don't think there's any room for comparison to be honest I've seen a lot on Instagram of, of com- comparison cancer seems to keep coming up in comparisons and and I don't think there is a oh, comparison no. you know this is this is life and death for those people and and I that's my daily you know work I see this day in day out and and I do think that helps me that working in the NHS gives me that little bit of perspective to be able to say it's on hold it's not necessarily forever some other people are literally their lives are going to be affected by this the vulnerable their lives are potentially going to be shortened by this waiting a little bit longer after eight years it, you know it's going to be a fraction of what we've what we've been through so far so waiting a little bit longer in the grand scheme of things at least I can have a glass of wine at the weekend yeah. <laughs> oh, Jen. well thank you so much for just no talking problem. it through with us and it's almost impossible to know what to say other than you're just being really sensible about it and you're doing amazing work and you know from the mm. bottom of our hearts thank you for that mm. and for mm. all of your colleagues if you can go and do a big arm elbow yeah thing <laughs> yeah, on our behalf awesome. for yeah. them yeah do you feel that you need to take a step back from the kind of online ttc community with what's gone on because I, I think there's a bit of self-protection with that isn't there if things have mm. been cancelled yeah and, and i think there's actually a lot of unease on instagram at the minute i've seen so many different perspectives some people understandably feeling quite angry and bitter some people who were quite accepting and then there were those people who just had positive pregnancy tests or who are pregnant or have just given birth who were terrified as well and and it's actually where before everybody really came together for each other in these times of anxiety there seems to be a little bit of sadly separation and distancing because people in a similar position to me are struggling to support those who are at a different stage because it's quite triggering sometimes to see mm. and hear that. And as much as we want to support them, it's it's really hard sometimes to to put your shoe somebody else's shoes on and and think how they are feeling when when you're really quite sad and there's an element of for yourself. Yeah. Um, and and as much as you know, I think we've all got friends there who are true friends. There is, I think, just a little bit of unease around everybody finding it hard to to see other people's perspectives which is quite a shame Mm. i think we all need to self-protect we need to do whatever we need to in terms of what we're looking at online for Mm. now um and not not dwell on that if if we don't feel right being in a space just do what you know follow you go and come out of it and self-protect and or use the mute you know i think if you've got my my feed particularly it's started two and a half years ago so my feed particularly is absolutely jammed full of pregnancies babies people trying for their second which is you know hard Mm. Um, uh, and sometimes just the mute button you know you don't need to unfollow necessarily just mute them and you don't have to see that every day when you're in a better place you can always go and follow them again and see that
to get enough. Thank you, Jen. You take care. You can- Thank you. Take care. Lovely to chat, Jen. Please do rate, review, subscribe and share this podcast. We love hearing from you and knowing what you think. Thank you as always for your support. Stay safe, stay home and until the next time.